0: This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by my dad, Warren Tanner. It is entitled, I Am the Walrus. Uh, You can feel free to check us out on our website, ZionHebraicCongregation.com. If you're anywhere in the southern New Hampshire area, you can come visit us at our congregation in Newfields. Uh, all our location info is on the website, and if you would like, you can find all of our archived Shabbat messages on on the website, as well as uh, my weekly, the weekly essays that my dad writes. Um, you can subscribe to those by putting your email in the little email subscribe box. As always, our theme music is by my buddy Evan Shaw. You can find him at evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Mighty warriors arise Freedom does my me away. The soon is today when we see your face on the mountain of your grace and see oh the Shabbat Shalom Good to see you today. We're still doing our in-home thing and uh, glad we can at least meet and uh, fellowship and focus upon the Word of God. Today we're going to be looking at a couple different passages, one just briefly and one quickly. So if you want to get ready, you can turn to Deuteronomy 14 and stick a finger there and then go to Psalm 106 and stick a finger there. And when we've got our fingers all stuck, then I'll pray and we can get started. So Deuteronomy 14, Psalm 106, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can get together and fellowship and Focus on your word and just uh, hit, for me, as I always like to think, this is like a reset button. You know, to kind of wash away the, the previous week uh, and give us a new start for the days to come. And, and I thank you that your word is a part of that process, that renewing, that refreshing, that reset button. And thank you we can come to it every day and have you just do your work in our hearts, to the uh, truth of your word, I ask that you'll be pleased today that we'll uplift Yeshua, our Savior, and that he'll get all the glory in his name. Amen. <coughs> Alright, so I have entitled this, and don't ask me how I got there, this, this that I'm giving you today is literally hot off the press. I was finishing it up when everybody was getting here. So, so you're gonna to have to bear with me. I had a whole other message that I worked on and I still might preach that one uh, next time. But this one is, is even though it's hot off the press, it, it was baking in the oven quite a while, more or less. And I just coalesced it and it will coalesce today. So I am entitling this, I am the walrus. I am the walrus. Anybody remember? the song the beatles song beatles? Yeah. i am the yeah, walrus yeah so that that's from the uh album the magical mystery tour it was sandwiched in between the beatles white album uh i'm sorry uh i think with sergeant peppers lonely hearts club ball, uh, band and then uh, magical mystery tour then the white album and i was never big fan, but those were the three that I had, and so it was interesting, and it's been so long that I, I totally forgot when it came out, but it came out in November of 67, which would have made me, at the time, 13, so, so this is what I was listening to, you know, 12, 13, and 14, because that's when it all came out, and um, so... One of the most popular songs that we probably all know to some degree is I am the walrus. Now, there's a point to why I'm saying this. Um, There's that line in the song, and it's, it's right at the onset, says, I am he as you are he as you are me and we are all together. Now, it's a nonsensical song. People try to put meaning to it, but I think it was Lennon wrote it. He he said there's really no meaning. It was more of a maybe a spoof in relation to teachers and blah, 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 because they were starting to try to figure out their songs in English classes or something like that. But anyway, I just, I've always, I love that phrase. I am he, as you are he, as you are me and we are all together. Now the concept, I don't know what it really means, but all I, I get from it basically is somehow we're all similar in, in different ways, but yet we're all similar. I don't know if that's what he means or not, but that's, that's kind of how I, I take this uh, meaning of this song, I am the walrus. Um, I'm tr- what I want to do from that, is try to, not just from that uh, song, but from where I want to go with the scriptures, extrapolate from this mindset of how we are really impacted and affected, molded and shaped, directed and stopped by everything that we allow to impact us and have an influence on us voluntarily and even subliminally, we are really the people we are because of the influences that have enacted themselves upon us and that we have taken into us. I don't want to go crazy with all this, and I don't know how it actually all plays out, but We are, in a simple sense, a product, and this is not where I'm going with this, but a product of our families, right? We grow up in a family, we live in a family, that family thinks, acts, does, doesn't do based upon the directors of that family, and so we have children that grow up in that, and then they become little us people, just like us, and we don't realize that as parents we've impacted, inflicted, afflicted, conflicted our kids through osmosis because, as it says, I am he as you are he as you are me and we are all together. Now, I do have a point to all this. And you're just going to have to bear with me. And please think. You know, Luke and I, we we actually put time into this to try to say something. And and it's frustrating when we feel our listeners are zoning out. So I'll try to be concise and not drag this on. All right. But you're going to have to think with me. So if you would, if you're at Deuteronomy 14, I'm going to at least give you the verse. We're going to hopefully get back to Deuteronomy in a timely fashion. But I, I, so, you know, this is why we should read the Bible repeatedly over and over and over because, like for me, I read things and I'll realize, oh, wow, you know, say after several chapters in a book, this book of the Bible, then I'll say, wow, that phrase. And then only come to find out, well, it's been repeated several times and I'm just now picking it up. One of those things kind of happened today, Deuteronomy fourteen twenty three. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks. And then this part here. That thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. Emphasis on learn. This is where I want to be today. So God, he, He's done certain things in His Word, through His instructions. He's given us certain things to do and not do. He's, he basically lays out how He wants our life to be lived and not lived, what we eat, what we don't eat, what days we celebrate, what days we don't celebrate, because He is trying to teach us so that we will learn to become how he wants us to be. And God does this through the certain specific words that he chose to transmit his instructions to us because he has codified us in such a way or programmed us in such a way to respond to the stimuli that comes into us through our eye gate, through our ear gate, through (laughs) however it happens the words we read, and it goes on and on and on. It's really fascinating, at least to me, and I hope I can get this across to you. Now, Psalm 106, we'll get to it in a minute, but this idea of learning, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. We're going to get to Psalm 106, but there's another one. Don't turn. 2 Timothy, oh, I forgot to write down the reference, but where it says, ever learning and never Able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So just because you're learning something doesn't mean, oh, good, you're learning something. You can learn and learn and learn and never come to the knowledge of the truth. And there's only one absolute truth, and that's God and that's His Word. And it's amazing how we can even, as God's people, learn, 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 and still not know what God's Word says. It's because of the intake process that has already taken root in us, how we process words, what we see, what we don't see. All of us have had the experience where we're, we've come into the Messianic movement and all of a sudden we're seeing stuff on the pages of this book, which we're very familiar with, that we've never seen before. Well, they've been there all along, but why didn't we not pick them up? Because we're programmed through being an independent theological Baptist or a new, or as a, an evangel- evangelical Christian certain truths, certain things, certain words on the page jump out at us because that's how we've learned the word of God. Then all of a sudden you realize, whoa, wait a minute. There's other stuff in there. Now, we are impacted immensely and we are the people who we are at this moment right now, this morning, based upon our intake. I don't know how else to say it. Well, let me say it this way. We are a product of the food that we ingest, are we not? We eat certain foods, we're going to get uh, either not healthy or healthy. You will have effects of eating just this kind of food or this kind of food. I just found out that my cousin, who's the same age as me, and talking to my sister yesterday, died within the last 10 years. I didn't even know. I won't go into his life, but he had, I said, what did he die from? She said, I don't know, but he had gotten up to like 350 pounds. Okay. He died. He in took evidently. I don't know what it is. She doesn't even know what, how or why, but we're a product of what we ingest all across the board. Okay. You following me? Got me. All right. Now this idea of learn, learn means to accustom oneself to anything. To accustom oneself to anything. So if you learn, okay, let's say the multiplication f- tables. I taught it, that little girl, first or second grade in my bus while I was driving when she wasn't on. I taught her the times table through up through th- six, up through six times table. And I also taught her the, the days of the week, the months of the year, and how did I do it? Through constant repetition and she became accustomed she had nothing to look at no piece of paper no nothing it was me drilling her day after day after day after day and she could see it in her head though she had never seen it and she had grown accustomed to seven times two is fourteen okay or two times seven is fourteen so once we got through some of that Just to stretch her a little bit, I did it through all these tables. All right, let's do it this way. Two times three is six. Okay. Then she learns the three tables. Well, she didn't pick it up, but I said, if two times three is six, what do you think three times two is? She'd think, oh, six. Okay. And I started teaching her the connection to all this, and she became accustomed to what the answer would be just because of how she learned it. All right. So learn, to accustom oneself to anything, to get accustomed to something, to become a habit, habit-forming or addicted. If, if a habit is not a good habit or even a, a, is a good habit, too much of it can become maybe addictive. But there are good ways, perhaps, to be addicted. Uh, the Bible says, at least King James Bible, in sec, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 15, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus. That it is the first fruits of Kai, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, that is so fascinating that the King James translators would use the word addicted. Now, I'm going to have a little bit of an aside here, and I'm not going to get too far off into this. But words, how does Brad say it? Words mean something to mean words mean things. Words mean things. And he, I don't know if he says this, but certain words will trigger how we think, what we see in our head, how we conclude. Words mean things. Now, we ultimately learn through the mediums we take in. What we read, what we listen to, what in a family we grow up in. These mediums are all constantly feeding us. Words shape and form the way we think and how we think through the mediums we ingest. All right, Words shape and form the way we think and how we think and then therefore by way of extension act through the mediums we ingest. All right, now, here's my digression, but I, I think it's an important one. And I didn't really even think about any of this, really, to this extent till this morning. But when I got thinking about that word, learn, uh, to get accustomed to something, uh, habit, habit forming, addicted. And right away, my mind went to this verse, 1 Corinthians six fifteen. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. All right, now. The King James translators, and this is not what the message is about, so don't tune me out, but the King James uh, translators chose specific words, chose specific phrasing, because they wanted to convey, just like any translator would, a particular meaning To shape how we view our God in his word. They chose words specifically and on purpose. Now, for a long time, since the 1900s, the King James translators have been thrown under the bus as ignorant, unlearned, and because... Maybe that's that's not how they would say it, because as soon as I say that, then I can hear the other side. Well, I never thought they were ignorant and unlearned. Yes, you have. They've implied that, and, and I'm putting terms to it, that they're ignorant, unlearned. They didn't have the, the, the proper understanding or language tools to, uh, like we do now for English and Greek. They didn't have the manuscripts. They didn't have the, the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls and all this other stuff, and those poor guys. All right, now, I have never been able to buy into that argument, even when I had read for years and years and years the New American Standard, the NIV, the New King James, Uh, a little bit of the uh, uh, um, uh, English Standard. And what I started to notice, and this is what I want us to see, at least in this point, is this. What I started to notice when I finally, years ago, settled in on the King James, and, and Luke, I don't know if you remember me telling you this. You may or you may not. When I finally got back into it, and through a building of reading in years, and then comparing, because lots of times when I do my Bible studies, if you have the right tool, you can compare the different translations, and I do that regularly just because I, I like to know I want to see. What I have come to find out is the King James translation stands along quite often in the words they choose, the word order that they use, and in the implied meaning that they have for you to acquire because of how they translate it. And it's what I have noticed is, and, and if I'm not suggesting you do this, but if you ever decide to compare translations, and, and, and that's not even a good way to do it. I can do it because I've read these, I've ingested these other translations for so long, I know already basically how and what they say. But what I came to notice was a change in my mindset a change in my outlook, a a change in my interpretation, and and ultimately the impact or not the impact of the Word of God on my life. It'd be like you can have vanilla ice cream, and then you can have French vanilla ice cream. They're both vanilla ice cream, same substances, maybe. I don't know what I'm talking about here. It's the only thing that comes to my mind right now. But one tastes like vanilla, but the other one tastes like French vanilla. That's a difference. All right. got to try to get through with this. I noticed that the words and wordings in virtually all other translations impacted my mindset differently, subtly, subconsciously than the word, wording, and phrasings of the King James Version. This is what I I, I said. I even mentioned this to Luke. Do you remember ever mentioned this to you? You might not. Okay, it doesn't matter. The King James translators purposely and specifically chose the words and phrasings that they did on purpose, as do all translators. This is not my message, but I have to get this in here because it so fits. What I'm trying to get to see is, we will be shaped in our thinking, our theology, our actions, our practice, our interactions, our view of God, and this is so important, based on the translation that we use. The King James gets thrown off to the side it's not even worthy of being in the arena of worthy translations, when I argue that it is the one that we should use above all others because it has a proven history of people who changed the world prior 1900, which was most of all the mission work and everything, the spread of the gospel, hugely, not all of it, to the fruit of where we are now. All right. Got that? Understand that? Okay. Uh, Did I beat that enough? Got it. Uh, All right. All right. Okay. Now, I'm going to move on, but I want that to decide as we go on in our life and and how important it is, I think. How big is this? The the medium, the translation that we ingest is going to shape our view of God and theology and how we live and act out our lives, and it's not all the same. This is huge. Okay, now. All right, enter. Now, this is kind of where we're going. Enter the book, The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. This book has stimulated everything I just said in an elevated fashion. And I have to tell you, this book has impacted me like very few books have impacted me. And it has, and I can't even begin to explain. I'm not going to. This book may not have the same impact on you if you were to read it. But so much has just, the tumblers of so many things in my mind and in my life and how come I am and not, and everything just kind of went, it's like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And that's, everything I said is basically the message of his book, right? Is it not? Now, that in and of itself is encouraging because I've said this prior to this book, that's why I mentioned you, Luke, about what was happening to me a year or two ago with all the years of reading the King James. It's like, uh, there is something happening inside of me that is almost like rewiring my, my brain, my conception of God and everything, because of the translation, because of the words, because of the word order of the King James Bible. Do you remember saying any of this? Like that? Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, probably didn't impact you at the time because you hadn't read the stupid book. This book, and this is not a stupid book, this book just, just was so good because it verified what I have been thinking in my own head as an example. This was all this was prior to this, about the translation of the Bible that we use and how what we ingest is going to shape us and change us. You have to, if you haven't, read my blog, uh, Be Transformed, The Story of a Slug. I give three paragraphs from the, or sections from this book that explain what I can't go through and explain to you right now on how the external stimuli we take in makes us who we are. And why God gave us the, he implanted into us the Holy Spirit to be that translator, that that thing that extrapolates what God wants us to get from him and his word. So entered this book, The Shallows. It's greatly impacted me, my slug. All right. Here's, here's the thesis of the book as I understand it. So I'm not blaming him if I'm wrong. This is my thesis from the book as I understand it. I just said it. What we take in and how we take it in creates patterns and habits within us that help determine who and what we are and how we think and act. Am I correct on that? Is that a good thesis? Yeah. Pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. What we think, uh, sorry, what we take in, and how we take it in creates patterns and habits within us that help determine who and what we are and how we think and act. Now you say, no great revelation. I know that. No, read the book. Start reading the Word of God. In uh, contra- I don't know how you can do it. I, that's, I don't even want to go down there. All I know is... I am so grateful for this, as I say, stupid book. I don't mean it that way, for, for this book. Now, this guy is not saved. He's not a Christian. He's an evolutionist. He, he says at one point, do I have my notes? Uh, and I don't know if I'm understanding it. Um, oh, let's see. But he talks about when the Bible started to be translated. Um, and he, say, he says, back when something to this, when, when the Bible was... When they were printing books, first printing, uh, Gutenberg was first printing books. When Gutenberg was first printing books, the first thing he printed was the Bible, right? right? So he says, Gutenberg printed the Bible for when it first, because he's going back and telling us why the Gutenberg press and all this and was important. So the Gutenberg press uh, put out the Bible in other dangerous books. Right? Remember I told you that? I, I, yeah. I don't, I can't find it. Dangerous. It was uh, Polish? one? No. no. Uh, Another, uh, oh, I don't have I don't the... Rest. Theory, but right. Yeah, but anyway, um, so all that to say... Controversial? Controversial, maybe, yeah. Anyway, something like that. So he's not a Christian, is my point. He's not a Christian, and he views the Bible as, you know, not, not something that he goes to regularly as a source. Um, but I appreciate what he has had to say. And, and it's like Luke was telling me, you know, you, you have to read the book, right? And he does a brilliant job of just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of just getting us to where he's going with this book. Kind of like what Brad has done in this last series that he did, the image of the beast. Beast. He kind of goes into this analog and digital thinking. All right. Um... Okay, so I can't get lost here. So the shells. So All right, so the thesis again, then I'll move on. So what we take in and how we take it in creates patterns and habits within us that help determine who and what we are and how we think and act. So God wants us to learn, but not learn just any old thing, any old way from any old source. He does not want us to learn Any old thing, from any old source, any old way. Succinctly, if I could put a thesis to the Bible, as to what God wants us to learn to do, Yeshua said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, interesting, the King James translator said learn of me. They didn't say learn from me. And and I think they chose learn of me because, learn of me, learn about me, learn from me. Well, yes, 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 all of it. Yeshua said, take my yoke upon you, and I am, when I am controlling you and directing you like a yoke would do for a yoke of ox, then I have you where I need you so that you can learn as I want you to learn, just like I can steer a yoke of oxen one way or the other, have them go or stop. So Yeshua is the wellspring of everything for us. Everything. Now, are we ingesting Him, keeping Him at bay? Him, when I say Him, the word, are we ingesting Him, keeping Him at bay? Are we, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. If we are not ingesting him, I think it's fair to say we are not going to become more and more like him. So if I ingest this source and this source, and whatever I'm ingesting throughout the life, my course of my life, I'm not saying that we shouldn't ingest other things, read other things, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is there has to be a bottom, rock bottom, solid foundation from which we ingest so that we can then know how to maneuver our lives as God wants us to throughout everything else. It's, 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 does he say it should be bottom up, right? Not top down. He talks about that in the book. There's two types of learning: It's bottom up or top down. I can't explain that. But I think bottom up means a foundation, From which you build upon, and then you ingest and assimilate. Because who, whatever we take in, is what's going to be what we are. Am I doing all right on this? Just ingest any time, ingest, inject any time. Please do, because this is like I'm kind of on the fly. This is this morning. All right. All right now. So where 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 am I? So da 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 da. I told everything. Then I said, enter the shallows. Enter number two. Enter Psalm 106. Now, we're in Psalm 106. Okay, and I'm not going to preach a message. I, I have no message. I'm going to give you an outline, maybe point out a few verses. I'm not going to, this is not all precursory. Then, then I still have to preach. No, I'm not going to do that. All right, so Psalm 106. Let me give you my working outline of Psalm 106. Why Psalm 106? Because, the, this is not the outline, because you cannot help read the Torah I'm sorry, the Pentateuch, and and books shortly thereafter, without really thinking, let me say it this way, if you read Psalm 106, it will set your mindset back to a specific kind of general period, and that is Genesis, Exodus, well, you'll get it. There's a connection here between The Pentateuch in Psalm 106. And, and I say all that because I gotta slow myself down let my mind catch up with my mouth. I'm reading through Deuteronomy, and and there was a cross reference even prior to that to Psalm 106. Okay. Psalm 106 is basically a rehearsal or a retelling of of everything um, that they experienced. So let me give you, let, let me give you the outline, Psalm 106. All right. Personal verses 1 through 5. General verse 6. Historical verse 7 through 46. Hopeful verses 47 through 49. Um, I thought I wrote this down and, and I can't find it, and that's why I'm stumbling right now. Uh, But anyway, Psalm 106 basically is an encapsulation of the history of God's people. To break down those personal 1 through 5, general verse 6, historical 7 through 46, hopeful, 47 through 49. All right, what I want to do at this point is read this, and we're going to go through it. I am the walrus. However it goes. I am he and you are he and you are me and we are all together. I find it really incredibly fascinating that we are no different than Psalm 106. We we, we somehow have not learned to stop being like our forefathers in the faith. We we somehow have, have not learned to... We haven't developed the facilities within us well enough because of what we're ingesting or not to be able to recognize, whoa, we need to stop this. I need to stop this. I cannot continue on the lives of my forefathers that I ingested by way of growing up in it. And I see this so clearly because one of the things I noticed when I got saved was I had a new beginning a new start, the reset button was hit, and I started noticing a change because of immersing myself in the Word of God because of Omar Adams and his, his habitual daily re- personal reading of the Word of God. I started to realize, whoa, I am different now from my unsafe family. I am different from my unsafe friends. I am different than my grandparents. I'm different than anybody in my family that I know because nobody that I knew in my family to this day is saved, was saved, were saved. So there was this this humongous difference that happened. And so when I read Psalm 106, it's convicting because though I know all of this, I'm still just like these stupid people. (laughs) And you are too. But God has given us his word. And Paul says these things are written for our learning and our admonition so that we don't make the same mistakes. But if we don't ingest, if we don't take it in, if other sources are impacting us and we don't have the bottom down set we are going to be passing on to our kids generation after generation after generation just like our forefathers did the same old stupid blunders and because we have not been able to see in our own lives by sufficient ingesting of this book how we need to change and to be able to see us in the mirror of this book, we will not change. We'll keep passing on our phobias We'll keep passing on our our mental attitudes. We'll keep passing down our habits. We will keep passing down things generation to generation. It's not all bad, but it's not all good. And, And I think God is so wise because he had his people living together all around the tent. They journeyed throughout the wilderness in their clans. They lived Asked family members and clans in certain spots all around the tent. They marched together in certain clans, families. They set up again over and over and over. And if you live in an environment like that, you start to see, oh, look at that grandpa. I, and you've, I'm so much like my grandpa. I can remember at school, they, people that knew Dr. Bob Sr. always said about Dr. Bob III, he's so much like his grandfather, which was good. We have to see, and that's why God says we confess the sins of our fathers. Who was it? That was, was it Daniel? He confessed his sins and the sins of his fathers. We have to confess the sins of our fathers? Well, what does that mean? Well, we can't confess the sins of our fathers if we don't see in ourselves what the sins of our fathers were. And we're living them. And God wants to stop this but because we're not ingesting this source, bottom down, we continue being the same people that we were, that our parents were, and our grandparents were, and we're passing it on to our poor kids. And you can't see it until you become a parent, and unless you're in tune with the Word of God, to where, as I've said a million times, I'm yelling at the boys for doing the umpteen thing different for the last umpteen years, and all of a sudden it just hits me in the bedroom downstairs while I'm yelling at them, whoa, they're me. I'm yelling at them for what I'm doing. And they just learned it from me. That's Psalm 106. Let's read. Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with thy favor, that thou Uh, us unto thy people. Oh, visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. All right, that's the personal aspect of it. There's an isomese there, all right? The general, verse 6. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. We will not change anything. We will not be changed. Our kids will not be changed until we can get ourselves to verse 6. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. This is key. This is revival. This is change. This is when God can do something with us. Yes, my kids need to say, Whoa, look at that. I'm just like him. I I don't want to be like that. Oh, there are some good things about him. I want those. But to be able on their own as a child to be able to, because of a bottom-down foundation of the Scriptures, to be able to look at the parents and say, Oh, that's godly. That's not godly. That's good. That's not bad. Not that we're judged, but this is how we learn. This is what the psalm is saying. All right, verse 7. Now, 7 through 46, historical. Our fathers understood not thy wonders. So this guy has evidently done some thinking. I know this is under inspiration, but think of it that way. He's done some thinking. Gosh, I'm just like my forefathers. What, what, what ways? What ways? Well, he did his homework. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated him and redeemed him from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. They believed uh, then. Sorry, do the love again. And in, in the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. I just love that juxtaposition. But lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. So what did God do? And God gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. And you know what? I wager. If you had asked them if they realized they had leanness in their soul, they wouldn't have known it. I am suggesting we have leanness in our soul and we don't even know it. Why? Because we are still like our forefathers and God has given us just what we want, but we don't even recognize the leanness in our own soul and neither did they. All right sixteen, they envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan, and covered the company of Abiram. And a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf. Uh, they they made a calf in Horeb and and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Wondrous things in the land of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses had chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word, but murmured in their tents and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their seed also among the nations and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves unto Baal-peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plague break in upon them. Then stood up Phinehas and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed. And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forever." They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but were mingled, here's our verse, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. They See, they're ingesting the wrong thing. God told them not to. What did they do? God said, be separate. They mingled. They mingled where? Among the heathen. What happened? They learned their works and they, 36, served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they committed abortion in relation to their children. And shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idol of their own self-will and polluted the country of America and the world. There's no difference is why I read it that way. But we think, well, they were burning and sacrificing and killing their children to idols. We're doing the same stupid thing in our country and we are in big, big trouble. 39. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went to whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance and he gave them into the hand of the heathen and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times did he deliver them But they provoked him with their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction and heard their cry. We're getting into the hope. And he remembered for them his covenant and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all those that carried them captives. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen to give thanks unto thy holy name and to triumph in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. So our verse 35. They were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. Interesting. I think this perhaps helps explain their double-mindedness. It's interesting. Look at verse 12. It says in verse 12, they believed, Then believed they his words. And then, uh, if you look at verse twenty-four, <laughs> it turns it right around. Yea, they despise a the pleasant land. They believe not his words. So verse twelve, they believe his words. Verse twenty-four, they don't believe his word. And that's kind of like us. We're double-minded. A double-minded means it's unstable in all ways. We sometimes we trust God. Sometimes we don't trust God. Sometimes we believe his word. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we obey him. Sometimes we don't obey him. We're we, we're tossed. And we're double-minded, and I think it's because of dualism of the influences that we're taking in. On the one side, is top-down. What we see, what we hear, what we ingest, what is now, what is now, what is present? What is current? What's the latest fad in Christianity? What's the latest big mega church doing? And everything is now. That's top down. And you can only go so far down because it's generational. It's now. They, they, don't, they Christians today, Messianic believers today, we do not go back as the scripture says and remember. They, they were to go back and remember their father David. And we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Go back, go back, go back. So let's close with this. So go back to Deuteronomy. I hope this is making sense. I'm trying the best I can. I'm going to close out with this. So what are the things that maybe God would like us to learn as we have it in Deuteronomy? All right, there's only have, what, one, two, three, four, five verses that we're going to read. All right, so Deuteronomy 4.10. In other words, here's a starting place for us all. So Deuteronomy 4.10. Especially, I'm just going to pick these up. Especially the day that uh, that thou stoodst before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words. This is the ingestion. This is where they're supposed to do bottom up. And I will make them hear my words. Why? That they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth and that they may teach their children." This is so cool. This is so wonderful. This is what God did. He took them out. He he instructed them how to be how he wants them to be so that they could then become now a people and a nation that would impact the world. Generation to generation to generation. It's just beautiful. How does it happen? What does he say? I will make them hear my words that they may learn. All right, 5-1. Uh, and Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. All right? fourteen twenty three, which was our verse that got me going on all this today. 14, 23, uh, 22. Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that, thy, that the field bringeth forth year by year. Repetition here. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God, he's instructing, in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of the corn, of thy wine, of thine oil, in the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear The Lord thy God always. See, God is trying to implant into us bottom down so that we will become more and more conformed to the image of our Savior. All right, 18.9. This one and then just one more. 18.9. My Bible says forbidden pagan practices. When thou art coming to the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of the nations, those nations. That's exactly what it tells us in Psalm 106 they did do. Why do we think we're any different or will be any different unless we are taking something in to arrest the progress of the deterioration and degeneration and start rebuilding us into the image that God saved us to become All right last one Deuteronomy 31 and two verses 12 and 13. Uh, gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear. Again, this, it's this whole thing, this is communal thing. We are all together in this. Get everybody together. I, God's saying, I want you all on the same page, thinking the same thing, acting the same thing, being instructed the same way. So gather the people together, men and women and children, and this, thy stranger that's within thy gates. Why? That they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of His law, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess. So, that's it. We are the walrus. It just... Depends on what walrus, walrus we choose to to follow after. Who are we? What are we to be like? Why do we assemble? Why did God have congregations? Why did God does God tell His people to assemble and to to do certain things and live certain ways? And well, everything I've already said. Because thankfully. For me, and you, you know, I'm always last to the party, but this book somehow causes, is causing it to all coalesce. And, and I finally am able to kind of see so many things that make so much sense. And so in essence, my blog, be not conformed, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, how do we do that? What's the agent? It's the Holy Spirit living within us. He's that agent. He's that, in the right sense, a leavening influence that will expand in our lives to cause us to be more what He wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Ah, Pull all this together. I know it's a lot. I've been intense. I've just kind of just hit everybody with a machine gun of bullets here. But somehow, can you take some part of this and help us to latch onto it? There's enough truth in this, because I hope it's been based on your word, that we can pick out at least something that will enable us to see, all right, maybe I ought to start working on this one then after that one maybe this would help and after that one because we can by the aid of the holy spirit through his word change we can be becoming more conformed to the image of our savior that work that you have begun in us it can continue on until that day as we walk in tandem and in parallel with what you want us to do and somehow I've just been able to understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the, the synapses and all this stuff that's in that blog that he's writing about and the pathways that can die, the old man that's supposed to die, and it can be replaced with the new man. It just doesn't completely happen, but yet you changed us. We have have the Holy Spirit within us. That, that germ, that seed is now in us to start to develop the new man. That's why you say put off the old man and his works and put on the new man and be renewed in that knowledge. And, and I think somehow we've stopped. We've just stopped. <sighs> Work in us, Father, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. yeah